Thanks, everybody. Uh, I hope you're all well after lunch, not feeling too sleepy, because this is the one we all want to know about. Excited to have uh, Jeff and Francis with me. Jeff, do you want to briefly introduce yourself? Yeah, hi. Uh, my name is Jeff Finnecaro. I'm the head of uh, data science and advanced analytics in the fraud team at Bank of America. Absolutely amazing. And Francis? I'm Francis Elasny. I'm co-founder and CEO of Anonabit, a decentralized biometrics platform that helps to eliminate data breaches and account takeovers. Fantastic. Well, uh, I want to start off, Jeff, with, with you for a second, because uh, ChatGPT is probably, other than the banking crisis, the only thing in the news lately. <laughs> it, it seems to be uh, like Maybe, yeah. it, it, technology is the thing. When did you first start to see generative AI show up in your day-to-day -day life and in, in your day job? And, and how, how did it show up? In my day-to-day -day life outside of the fraud space, I, um, I started noticing some of these bots that would draw things. There was Dali, which became Crayon, and then I became aware of Midjourney, which is another one that you can use. Just type in something, and it creates a picture of it, and really good pictures. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I'm like, what if you started using these pictures to create other things that might be useful in fraud and scams? And I started thinking, do we potentially have something there? And then with ChatGPT, um, that sort of just broke out onto the scene within the last few months. Uh, I think what they have, like 100 million users or something like that. The second that, fastest after Pokemon Go, I believe. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're, you're in good company when you can, uh, yeah. when you can stand up with, uh, with Pokemon. But um, <laughs> so uh, that, that's really for me when I started thinking a lot about it in this space. And, uh, realizing there were going to be some interesting game changers happening. How about you, Francis? So in the biometric space, we've been concerned about this for a very long time. Um, there have been different technologies focused on uh, deep fakes. Um, there were stories way back um, in gummy fingers, um, people generating masks, um, fake voices, and things like this. So for us, in the, again, in the biometrics arena, this is nothing new. Um, and there are companies that have been developing technology specifically to, to identify that. And so then let's, let's go day job, Jeff. Um, ChatGPT in particular, um, I think everybody in this audience immediately sees it and goes, that's going to make phishing easier. But is that something that's actually happening? Is it realistic? Is it something that we can um, manage against and mitigate against? Think about how phishing typically happens. Like, I mean, how many crappily spelled and poorly contextualized text messages do you get hoping you're going to click on something and then you know and then there are better more intelligently constructed spear phishing type of attacks but think about if you now have a very contextually appropriate message that is being sent to you and maybe there is some other sort of generative ai with it a picture or a voice Grandparent scheme. It, the way it works is your grandparents are told your loved one is being held hostage. We're going to hurt them. Send us $1,000. OK, what happens if you email them a picture of that person or hear them screaming? Are you going to start thinking clearly about what's going on, or are you going to start acting more, more aggressively to say, oh my goodness? That's the sort of potential that the deep fakes that you know, were mentioned here are really going to make these lures in the scam arena much more realistic on top of the 
better written and also tested types of messages that are going out. So I think you're going to see a substantial increase in the threats that are being generated, and I'm sure that it's happening right now. It feels almost like a numbers game, Francis, and then the numbers game got a great spell check. So I think it is a numbers game like anything else. Um, the statistics do show that since uh, ChatGPT did come out, the number of social engineering attempts and phishing attempts has gone uh, through the roof. So there's definitely a numbers game. But some interesting thing that I read yesterday is that actually, and it will get better, but for right now, humans are much better at doing this than the chat GPT. And I think what that suggests to me is that, like I said, in the, at least in the biometric world, this is not a new thing that we've been thinking about, that um, there are definitely ways to recognize and to play back the numbers game. And I think say more about why this is not a new thing. I mean, you mentioned with deep fakes, we've been doing that for a little while, but take me under the hood a little bit of like, uh, why is it? that human fraudsters can outperform the bot, um, the, the sort of the generative AI fraudsters? Well, a lot of it is, is dynamic, right? So the AI is, is, is giving you back what it thinks it's there. And it's, you know, in, what's in is what comes out. And, and um, certainly there, there are definitely fears in terms of creating synthetic identities and things like this. But in terms of actual response, there's inflection, there's tone, there's, you know, all different kinds of questions um, or dynamic signals that, that can be generated, um, whether it's out of band or questions that you didn't really think of, right? Um, elements that that may not have been fed into the AI. And so there's all different angles and elements that, you know, just by virtue of the fact that humans are more dynamic and we know different things. Um, so together, if you combine all these different signals, and I mean that in a very, very broad sense of the word, word from humans as well, um, you're able to come up with a better response than just the, than just the AI. Interesting. Jeff, what are your thoughts on this? And how do you think that uh, you know, this is going to evolve? Because ChatGPT, as we were talking about previously, uh, is trained up to 2021, but it's not the only model out there now. No. We've got open source models out there. Uh, you know, does this problem get worse before it gets better? Again, I'm speaking as in my own personal opinion. I think the answer is going to be a little bit of yes and a little bit of no. I think the first problem is going to be that the technology is evolving. It's getting used more often, but the models are going to get better. GPT-3.5 is blown away by GPT-4. I don't know what GPT-5 would even look like. There are other, though, considered models that are out there that are using the same transformer architecture as GPT-4 but don't have the trust and safety layer on them. That is what you have to really be more concerned about. Not chat GPT, but chaos GPT or some of these other tools that you can then utilize. For instance, if I try to tell chat GPT, generate me code to um, create malware and a website to deploy it on that will do X. It will not. And you can, there's, you can always try to trick chat GPT. You have to kind of go around it a little bit. Other models will do that. So I think you're going to start seeing an expansion and use of some of these, these technologies as they get better. That's what's going to make it worse. I think the more awareness, though, that people have about the technologies 
improves some of the governance and some of the, the some of the counter detection, which could be out there, which helps too. So that's why I don't think it's an easy answer one way or another, and that's why I'm sort of saying it's in the middle. Yeah. Francis. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think. Um, when when I was talk when I was saying dynamic signals, I was saying that you know today a lot of fraud exists because data is stored inside centralized honeypots, and then the, then those honeypots get hacked, and those honeypots are available on ChatGPT and so on and so forth. But if we didn't rely on fixed information, or we didn't rely on information that could be um, fished either out of the either out of the AI model or out of a person, if we just use other dynamic models like um, biometric, like fixed biometrics or behavioral biometrics or, or other fraud signals and you start to combine them, I think you, you end up with in a, in a better place. But you have to recognize that be, behind the front end, there's the back end stuff that Jeff was talking about. And that, I think this is where a lot of people need to pay attention. I think that back end stuff is so interesting. Um, my, um, CEO and founder at Sardine says um, most fraud and compliance problems are data science problems and it's so interesting given what you guys do you're looking at this like data scientists and and kind of really trying to identify uh, the things how, how much data can I collect and how can I recombine those in, in, in interesting and different ways so uh, if you were to point the audience at sort of uh, opportunities to improve their knowledge in this space and improve, you know, what should they be thinking about if they're probably, work, how many, do you work in fraud and compliance? Hand, show of hands. Okay, a good bunch. Just some I'm blinded, so I can't see I any can't hands see anything here. Either. You, everyone I, could have had their hands down. It, 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 like, show of hands. Um, but what should, what should companies be doing to, uh, to kind of get on the front foot with, with some of this stuff? Let me just throw one thing out there. The bad guys are using AI against us, and they don't have model risk management. They don't have compliance. They don't have federal regulations. They don't have privacy. They don't have to worry about client experience and friction. They have all of these weapons that they're using and using aggressively. So financial institutions, fintechs, you need to know do you really know how well you're doing stopping fraud? Do you really know? Are you waiting to see that all, only if after your fraud claims materialize? Are you looking much more deeply into the problem to understand what's getting through? Because every time you approve or decline a transaction, you're sending a signal back to the frauds who are then training their model back on what you tell them. So you may tighten up your strategies, and then the next thing you know, they have made changes to get around. So there's a very, very aggressive hand-to-hand -hand combat going on here, and, and institutions need to be nimble and super aware of what's going on, because you could find that you have a large fraud problem that sneaks up on you uh, very quickly if you're not looking. Absolutely. Uh, anything you want to add to that, Francis? I would say that a lot of the hints are available already. I, I don't think that there's going to be massive surprises. I think if we really look at why fraud is happening and we kind of really think critically about our systems, both as, by the way, both as consumers and as practitioners, like we've got to think about it both ways. There's a human element as much as there's a technology element and really, really think critically um, where the holes are. Um, so the holes could be um, up front on the onboarding 
side because the risk models may not be dynamic enough and the fraud could also be downstream. And um, tightening those up and connecting those dots and really thinking about what is going on now, I think could be, could actually provide a huge uh, jump in thinking of how to combat uh, the scams in ChatGPT. I, I don't know if you guys could bring back the Q&A QR code, but guys, do make sure you scan that and that you ask our panel some questions here, because I think we've got two of the brightest minds in the whole industry. This is a super hot topic, so, so make sure you ask those questions away. Go ahead and get this scanned, and we'll see those questions coming through the Slido app in, in the not-too-distant future. Um, just before uh, those questions come in, I'm interested from both of you where can we start to see rays of hope here? Where can we see rays of opportunity? If there are going to be open source models, uh, can we start to use this as a tool mm -hmm. of, as fraud fighters? Sure. Uh, the technologies are available to train models that are being built. Those large language models are very powerful. Uh, generative adversarial networks are a powerful type of model that can be used to vastly, I think, improve some of the traditional models that are out there. I think you also can use ChatGPT for things like employee training. You can use it to write code more quickly, to research questions, um, to to stay aware of trends. I think there's a lot of education that can come out of the tool, too, which empowers um, uh, fraud fighters um, and, and makes their jobs easier. Francis, have you seen any examples? So I think also being better able to connect with customers, um, customer service, uh, customization, think about what customers really um, are looking for. Um, and again, using the dynamism of the human aspect, get out, get out of the computer, really, and like use ChatGPT to help enhance the, the human interaction, I think there's a lot of opportunities there. I saw an example uh, a couple of days ago, a fintech company called Hadrius came out of the latest Y Combinator batch. Um, what they've done, slightly different category, they've taken the SEC rule book around suitability and they've trained sort of a, a version of ChatGPT with that sort of a set of intents and embeddings. And then for all of their internal, uh, all of a company's internal Teams messages, emails, WhatsApp, they make sure that all of those conversations are compliant from a registered investment advisor perspective and then they also make sure that any marketing is within suitability guidelines so perhaps this could be a tool for us so those use cases I think help help bring it to life a little bit uh, I saw no questions come in I think we've got about five minutes left I wanted to make sure that we're answering all of the questions burning around in your head so do remember to, to scan those QR codes um, and I just want to bring it to some closing thoughts from you guys before we move on to those questions um, where do you think that you're going to be focused in the next sort of uh, three to six months as this topic evolves? What, what's going to be your key focus? I think the first step is really understanding some of the threat space a bit more and determining where there are opportunities to implement some of these technologies in a way that makes sense, but also is, is working in a way that embraces ethical AI, responsible AI. So I think that there's been a lot of questions about how do you leverage this in a, in a way that is, is actually um, responsible. I think that's going to be one of the big, big focuses before you just start jumping right in is really understanding the, the playing field. For us, um, our 
uh, move in this area is is really connecting all of these different, all, a number of different signals. Um, into an adaptive authentication framework that is privacy by design. So not to have just linear rules, but combining different, different elements in a very dynamic way using biometrics, um, all sorts of biometrics, as well as non-biometric uh, signals. I love this question, I have to ask it. What's the bigger issue in the next two or three years, fraud prevention or job replacement via ChatGPT in the finance world? Well, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna load up ChatGPT and see what it says here. So, uh, we, we, we're gonna ask the right guy. Uh, I don't know, I think there's a whole bunch of changes that are happening and I, and I wanna be humble here, I don't know. I, I, I think if you're looking, you see like the writer's strike in Hollywood, that just had, a, there's, it's not, stated that that's the real reason, but the writers actually said, we don't want to have AI write the scripts or we don't want to have to modify scripts that AI created or, so you've got real issues happening there. I think the, the whole area in fraud and scams is big too. I think I read, and I don't remember who said it, it was a CEO of an, um, an AI company said, we are in the AOL phase <laughs> right now. We're not even at, we're not even at fiber, we're at dial up. So who knows? I don't know. I think you're going to see impacts just like well, if someone asked you, what's the internet going to do in 1995? Would you have been able to, to predict that in even in two or three years? No. I, I think there's a lot of stuff going on, but I would be hard-pressed to say what, what's bigger. Yeah, I think there's some people that, you know, think it's Armageddon and that's it, they're not going to have a job anymore. And then I think, you know, the other thing is to think about, like, when calculators came out, right? <laughs> like, you were like, oh, my God, we're not going to we're not going to need people to do mathematicians. Or when CAD models came out, like, all the architects were like, oh, my God, like, that's it. Who's going to drive, you know, no more? But there's evolution, like, technology's evolution. And I do think that chat GPT and generative AI does present opportunities in, in many ways that we can't even think of today, including coming up with ways to combat some of the bad stuff that, that is going to come out. And I think it's up to us to, like, you know, be imaginative. And I don't, I personally, I don't think it's Armageddon. <laughs> it's learning a new skill, isn't it? Like mm -hmm. using the internet was. All right, we've got time for one more. And the most popular one is what are the risks of GPT models that do not have safety and soundness layer? Could they become rogue vampires? Ooh. I mean, or werewolves Crazy. or yeah. some other sort of supernatural creature. I don't. Um, I think those webs, those those apps that don't have the trust and safety layer can be programmed to do all sorts of things that you would hope would not be um, available, and they will fall into the hands of bad actors. And there's going to be advancements in those tools. There are absolutely going to be tools out there that are going to be used for the purposes of committing crime or doing other things. But there are also going to be wonderful advancements from this, too, in the areas of learning and education and improvement of, of things that you, know, you, you need help with. Like I have someone who's studying a course, and ChatGP teacher is available all the time to answer questions. So there's there's a lot of good stuff, but the the bottles that don't have that that protection, yeah, they can absolutely be misused. I think it'll change the way we do code reviews. I think it'll change the way we look at third-party risks and supply chain risks. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, 
It will add to um, how how we assess uh, readiness to deploy and whatnot. I think it will require people to, this is why I don't think it's Armageddon, because I think there will be a new class of programming skills that will have to be analytical to, the, to, to code that is generated by ChatGPT and to be able to recognize bad things, potentially, that, that will live or backdoors. Um, so I think the risk is that we don't understand that there's a risk. But as long as we understand that there's a risk and we're ready to meet it, I think we can mitigate it. Here, here. Well, ladies and gentlemen, please thank this wonderful panel.